kind of exciting to be up here today. Um, for those of y'all that don't know, this is my first sermon here. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, I'll start with happy belated Thanksgiving. Uh, I know I, lots of turkey was eaten, and um, that's why I'm in my black. It actually wasn't the turkey that got me. Um, it is my mother-in-law's pies. Man, she makes the best chocolate pie. So um, how many do the Black Friday shopping? There's nobody out there? Uh, there's one. I see one back there. That, that's true. That's true. Yeah, we are Black Friday shoppers, and we do it every single year. Now, I have to say, this year was different. There weren't very many people out there. And, uh, you know, I was coming away with, I was like, oh, I'm going to have a great story to tell. You know what? It was a loving atmosphere out there. And I guess people were shopping it online or something. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Craig Howard. I've been on staff here for about two and a half years. Um, I am in my fourth year at Perkins School of Theology, working on my Master's of Divinity. And I find myself very far from divine, but I'm going to try to speak, speak to you a little bit today. Um, and I want to welcome you, first of all, to Crosswalk. And I also want to welcome our online viewers. We're, we're glad you're here today. You know, um, I'm thankful for this church. This church is where I actually reconnected with God and where I actually got my call to ministry. And I find it ironic to be speaking up here today to you about being rich in love. Because for most of my adult life, I actually ran from God's love. You see, um, I, I grew up in a pretty conservative church. And, you know, I always heard, Jesus saves, and God is love. And you know what? Those are absolute truths. Those are absolute truths. However, a lot of that was overshadowed by things like, that I heard, like, God is an angry God. Or, if you don't fit in this mold or this mold, you can't be a part of God's kingdom. And I know that many of you are in that same book. We are a church of refugees. Whether that is international refugees or refugees of the church, this church is full of it. And so I'm very thankful of this church. But, you know, those teachings, they kind of let me on a dark path. I heard things like, you know, the teachings of the, of the mainline churches Sometimes we hear about unforgivable sins that they call unforgivable. Well, things like adultery, divorce, homosexuality. And they teach things like women should know their place in the church. Or we can't take the Bible outside of its literal sense. And you know what? I'm going to say it right now. All of those teachings are wrong. But I was on a dark path, and Jesus saves, that was a question. I don't know that I felt I could answer that Jesus saved me. 
So who does Jesus save? Well, the good thing is, God never gives up. And you know what? My whole life, God was actually screaming his love for me, and all I heard was the harsh sounds of the world. But one day I was at the end of my rope, and I heard this gentle voice say, hey, you, I love you for who you are. And it was that moment that I accepted God's love and grace for me. Will you pray with me? Holy, holy, holy God. Be with me right now as I try to speak the words that you have given me. God, there is a harsh world out there. I pray that those harsh noises that are in our mind right now, I pray that you clear them. Give us clear mind, clear insight to hear your voice today. Amen. So today I'm actually going to speak regarding Romans 12. And Romans is kind of a unique book. Um, It's one of Paul's letters. And the difference with this one is Paul is writing to people he does not know. All the other letters, these are, those were letters to churches that Paul had actually started. So he knew those people. But Christianity was beginning to grow in Rome. And he, he saw some issues that were going on. You know, they, they were a lot like me. Um, they believed that Jesus saves me from my sins. And so when I'm saved from my sins... I can just continue on on that sinful nature. Paul is writing this letter to correct that, to teach them how to truly live into God's love. And today we're going to look at, uh, we're going to start with verse 1. And I'm using the message version today. I like the way the message really paraphrases what uh, Paul is trying to say here. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it to God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. So I want to stop there for a minute. Uh, The NRSV version of this section of Paul's letter um, is talking, it uses the word spiritual worship. Now, there's a Greek word that Paul uses, um, and I'm going to butcher the word. It's lateria, something like that. (laughs) But um, there's really not a good way to translate that word. But probably the closest thing that we can say 
is a service of worship. A service of worship. So, really, what Paul is telling us here is that um, we are called to acts of service and justice for God. So, we're going to pick up in verse 9, and ironically, this section is titled, The Marks of a True Christian. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. That's when we need to pray all the harder. Help needy Christians and be inventive in that hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Ooh, we all do that, don't we? <laughs> Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't try to be that great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got any in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do that, says God. So, in the Methodist tradition, we believe in a theology surrounding God's grace and love. And John Wesley is kind of the author of this. Uh, he is an Anglican priest out of England several centuries ago. And he is, he is really the author of Methodism. Um, he is kind of our founder. But he really speaks first of what we would call, uh, we now call provenient grace. This provenient grace, this is, this is God loving on us before we even have an inkling of God. So that's why in the Methodist tradition that we baptize babies, because God's love is already there. But in this provenient grace, God is crying out to us to fall in love with him. Now, it's through Christ's resurrection that we are saved, or in biblical terms, or Wesleyan tradition, we call this justification. Justification is the moment that we realize the extent of God's love for us. And at that moment, we not only realize that love that he has for us, but we, in turn, fall in love with God. Now, a lot of traditions, it kind of ends there. But here in the Methodist tradition, we also believe in a sanctifying grace. And what this is, is when we actually fall in love with God, it transforms us. And it transforms us into wanting to do what God wants. It transforms us into wanting God's will for everyone. 
And what does that mean? Well, we go back to the great commandment of loving God and loving others. So I have a photo I want to show up here. What do you see? Okay, good job. This is obviously a mine, and it's obviously a gold mine. Now, if you look at it, it's pretty dirty, too. You have to get into that dirt and rock. But you can see that shine coming through, so we know it's gold. If we use that gold as a metaphor for us as humanity. Now, what we as humanity see, we see that dirt and rock. We see that mess that's right there. We see that it's really not very pretty. Now, God sees something different. God sees the shiny gold that that is there. And so if we imagine when we become justified, God takes us, he mines us out of that mine, and then he forms us into a beautiful masterpiece. Hey, we're shiny now. So what do we do with that transformed beauty within us? God calls us to a service of worship just as Paul is telling us. That is the moment we become sanctified. We are called to love others. You know, this is, uh, this is kind of like God actually calls us. It's dirty, and, you know, we can't actually think of it this way. The gold is underground in a cave. We, as humanity, have to go out and seek that gold out. Someone has to seek it out. Someone then has to go mine it out. Man, it's dirty, dirty work. Hard work. Then someone actually has to form that into a piece of beauty, much like the ring I'm wearing today. This is almost just like what we are called to do. You know, God creates us as that beauty piece of gold and we're justified and that gold is shiny and there's still that nine there. There's still people there living within that sinful nature. And yeah, it's covered with dirt and grime, but we are called to be that shine and help them to remove that dirt and become the shiny gold that they are intended to be. God uses us to go out and love. God wants us to be servants of his will. And this is exactly what Paul tells us to do. I like to use the word, I I like to really describe uh, sanctifying grace as this. When we are in love with God, it changes us so deeply that we want to do God's will. And I'll tell you this, 
if you don't hear anything else today, God is the only gifter of God's grace and love. Okay? God is the only gifter of God's grace and love. But as God's people, God calls us to be distributors of God's grace to God's people. So how do we do that? First, verse 9 opens up with love from the center of who you are. What is your center? Are you a gifted teacher? Are you good at creating things out of nothing? Are you good with numbers? Are you an accountant? Find your center. What are God's gifts within you? Then God wants you to go out and use those gifts to help others. Paul also tells us we've got to live in community. Direct from our scripture, be good friends who love deeply. Guys, this is where the church comes into play. We are called to live in community. We come here, we break bread together, we lift each other up, we share our burdens with each other. Community lives right here in God's house. But you know what? God's not calling us just to community here. When we leave on Sunday mornings, we have to go out with that servant worship. God calls us to community in our world. Who is in your world? Is it your coworkers, your neighbors? I mean, it can be the person at the grocery store. God has made you a shiny piece of gold. Go out and shine. God also wants us to be be constant. Our scripture says, "Don't burn out. Keep yourselves aflame." Keep yourselves aflame. This is just like, think of this this ring here. You know, when you go buy it, it's brand new. It's shiny. It's perfect. Over time, though, we wear it and we get dinged up. We get scratched. Well, We have to go and get that regularly cleaned so that that shine is still there. It's the same with us. We have to clean ourselves and let our shine come through. How do we do that? Well, obviously, we're going to read Scripture. We're going to pray. We've got to have our Sabbath time. Man, guys, this is one of the hardest things I have to do. Sabbath is a challenge for me all the time. You know, I work full-time, I go to school full-time, I have a family. You know, I have a 21-month-old at home. There's no downtime. Sabbath time is really hard to do. And in our world, it's hard for all of us to do. There are so many things that we could be doing. Social media, let's get together with friends. But sometimes we just need to rest. 
God gives us that example. On the seventh day of creation, God rested. He showed us we have to rest. So, worship. That's kind of what we're talking about today. What is worship? In our society today, we've really come to a point where we think it ends on Sunday morning. You're in crosswalk worship right now. And worship, yes, worship does include singing and hearing the word proclaimed in our community, just as we talked about earlier. But Paul is telling us we are also called to a service of worship. A service of worship. Loving all, it's the mission of Lover's Lane. But you know what? That is encompassed in God's great commandment. Love God and love others as yourself. And no matter where you are on the grace spectrum that we talked about, there's one thing that's consistent through all that. God's love is the same for this end and this end. God's love is always there. It's a matter of us accepting that love and then accepting that love and living out that love. God has gifted you and God wants your spiritual worship. Find your center. Find what God gifts in you. Be constant and never let your flame burn out. This, this is true worship. This is your true worship. And when we allow ourselves to be that shiny piece of gold in the world, guess what? God not only transforms you, but he transforms the entire world. Will you pray with me? Oh, holy, faithful, and loving God, we are so thankful for your love and your grace that is never-ending, that is there when we don't even know it. God, move in our hearts. Help us to be your people who shine, who shine for all the world to see. Help us to be those miners, to get down dirty, and to clean ourselves up again. God, your grace is good, and we know that. And we thank you for that today. 
it's in your name we pray.